Hey, everybody, this is Dave B, and welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. You'll be amazed before you're halfway through what will happen. A greater and higher sense of self-worth and peace and joy and a certain relief will come over you. It's like a weight has been lifted, but it requires leaning in and taking action and listening to guidance from others who've been here before you. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm Lee McGinnis from Leesburg, Virginia. As members of the recovery community, we created this podcast as a way to provide experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflection book. Each day, we interview members of the recovery community in the hope that their experience may provide inspiration. We value inclusion and diversity, and we really want to provide a platform for all the voices of recovery. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear these mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Hey, before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could leave us a comment or a rating. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to help us expand our reach and improve the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, Lee, who's in the studio today? Hey, Mike. Today is May 22nd, and today we have Dave B. He's from Situate, Massachusetts, and he's here to share his experience, strength, and hope around today's Daily Reflection, which is entitled Step One. Welcome to the show, Dave. It's great to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you, Mike, and thank you, Lee. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we get started in the same way every day. We ask the guest to read the Daily Reflection, and then we'll have a little chat about it. Dave, do you want to get us started? Love to. This is a great one. This is so for me. May 22nd, step one. This is found on page 21 of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. When I was drinking, all I could ever think about was I, 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 or me, me, me. Such painful obsession of self, such soul sickness, such spiritual selfishness bound me to the bottle for more than half my life. The journey to find God and to do his will will one day at a time began with the first word of the first step, we. There was a power in numbers. There was strength in numbers. There was safety in numbers. And for an alcoholic like me, there was life in numbers. If I had tried to recover alone, I probably would have died. With God and another alcoholic, I have a divine purpose in my life. I have become a channel for God's healing love. Mm, That's beautiful. Thanks for reading. Before we get started, Dave, what's your sobriety date? My sobriety date is April 23rd, 2006. Wonderful. So as you read this, I could tell by watching you that it resonated with you. So what came to mind first? The before, the before. I used to have a saying, I want it all. And I want it right now. I had this insatiable appetite. This all I wanted was to consume, and there was this huge focus on taking from the outside and pulling to the inside, and that was like my directional compass, out to in, and that has changed 180 degrees. Love that, where you were constantly focused on fulfilling your desires and maybe you call them needs at the time, you know, that selfish, that gravity of self mm-hmm. today, you, you, you say it's turned 100, 180 degrees. Tell me what that means. Are you, you're talking about service or thinking of others first. What are you talking about there? 
Yes. So it is a psychic shift. And I would joke when I first started getting sober that fortunately I just got everything exactly wrong. I was literally going in the opposite direction. So all I needed to do was just turn around and go the other way. It wasn't really nuance. And really what I've learned is the whole thing is inside out. If I want to be happy, it's an inside and then outward job. It's about giving. It's about thinking about others. It's about my focus on taking what's inside me and expressing it and giving it outward. And I can tell how I'm feeling, whether that energy is flowing from within me to out or whether the energy is flowing from the outside in. I can just feel it directionally. That's pretty cool. I love how in tuned we become to our energy and our spiritual well-being after a while in recovery. So what made you willing to do that 180 degree turn? What was life like before you got into the program? Like a lot of us, I was just born and I was just born an alcoholic. I was naturally anxious and alcohol calmed me down and soothed me and made me feel better. And for a while it really worked. And then it wasn't that great. And then it was horrible. And until everything blew up, I wasn't able to reconsider a different path. And when it all blew up, it blew up big time, like a lot of us. And that brought me the humility to be open to listening to ideas from other people who had gone before me on how best to be happy. And so I became humble and that brought me willingness to try different things. Because I remember when I went into rehab, I went into detox and I was sitting there, they took away my shoelaces and my belt. And I'm thinking, how the hell did I get here? I realized I got here. I landed me in this room and clearly I was wrong. And whatever I was doing was not working. And so that just opened me up to, okay, I got to find a different approach. Maybe someone has some suggestions here. And I started to listen for the first time, right when I hit my bottom in detox day one and rehab on the 24th of April, 2006. Did you start to work the steps right in rehab or did it take you some time to get out and get your feet under you, get into the program? took me some time. I remember it, it hit me like a bag of hammers on my head about two weeks into rehab where I finally had that big psychic shift where it hit me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm an alcoholic. Oh my God, this makes sense. Oh, it now makes total sense. And I'm not talking about a year earlier when I spent all this money drinking too much and breaking a glass window or something. I'm talking about when I was 12. When I was 16, like it makes total sense. And I then started working the steps really when I got out. I had this great sponsor, Neil H. from South Boston, who met me on the first day of getting out because we were family friends. And he said, You don't have a choice. I'm your sponsor. Let's get to work. I love that. I love the old the old stories of how we found our first sponsor. And it seems like most of the first sponsors really kicked our butts and got us into gear right away, which is such a blessing. What was the journey into connection with higher power like for you? Did you have a higher power when you first came in to I did, the program? I, I did. And I was not happy. We had a, We were estranged. We had an issue. 
I was born and raised a practicing Roman Catholic. My uncle was a Jesuit priest. We went to church every Sunday. We, we were taught and we believed that there was a loving God. But over the years, I got away from my relationship with my understanding of God. And then unfortunately, I was in the World Trade Center in 9-11 on the 93rd floor of the South Tower. And I really had like a existential theological meltdown. I really had trouble with that. I couldn't put it into some type of theological context that made sense. Why did that happen? I'm supposed to have a loving God. And it just vexed me. And I became angry toward God for allowing that to happen and allowing good people to die. The problem with being angry at God is it's like walking around with a a rock in your shoe or a dump in your pants. It God's with you all the time. And if you got an, if you're upset with God, you're upset with the entire your entire paradigm. The way you interact with the outside world through your senses. Yeah, I had a higher power and we were not on speaking terms. I just I guess I just feel like I need to acknowledge the hugeness of what you just shared. That's a big thing to have been present there at that time. And I'm wondering how have you reconciled that now? How, how do you reconcile that happened with God today? Such a it's such a key question, isn't it? Because God is everything or God is is nothing. I've heard that before. This was my search. This was the whole first year. How was I going to put that into a framework? How was I going to make sense of that? My uncle Ed was a spiritual warrior. I met with my Jesuit priest, Uncle Ed, every Monday night at this old bar, restaurant, pub in Southie. And we would just talk. And he was this liberal, super cool, Thomas Merton type Jesuit. And he gave me a tremendous amount of leeway and freedom to interpret my relationship with God. And he allowed me to begin to possibly interpret things in a way that was a little bit more forgiving and open. And ultimately, I came to the conclusion that God's divine providence is a mystery. And if it wasn't a mystery, how would I have gratitude? It would be some type of formula. If I do this, I get that. And there I'm back again at the old game. It's a mystery. How do the Jews explain the Holocaust? Aren't they the chosen people? So who am I, like Job, speaking to the world when 9-11, who am I to say what's right and what's wrong? It's a mystery. And I've come to the conclusion that I'm okay to live in that mystery. It's just simply beyond me. I've come to peace with that. But frankly, I've recalibrated and and changed my definition of God. I'm closer to God than I have ever been, but it's a different God than I grew up on. I needed to change my understanding of God to make it work better for me because I needed God full-time on my team. I'm a big reader of Emerson, and Emerson is this fantastic spiritual warrior himself who talks about the need to have a unique and personal relationship with God. It's experiential. It's it's totally American. And he talks in this colloquial way where we don't we shouldn't inherit our religion like inheriting our old father's smoking jacket 
We need our own new jacket that's entirely ours. And this is an American experience. And we have to define and understand what our relationship is going to be with God. And then we got to attack it and lean into it. And so that's what I was. I went on this journey. I read into Buddhism and Taoism and Islam as well, and Christianity. And, and I settled on an understanding that works for me and that it's fundamentally a large understanding of God is the mystery. It's a mystery. Has God somehow revealed himself or herself somehow to a chosen few to give specific theological understandings of the makeup of God? That's a little too intricate for me. And I just couldn't sign up for that. And I'm okay with it. I love this analogy of we're all just feeling around in the dark and it's there. It's always there. And we see it, feel it, experience it from different perspectives based on our own personal experiences. And sometimes the things we experience in addiction and at the, in, in the depths expose us to different aspects of a higher power. So what a wonderful take, Dave. Thank you for that. Curious about as you got into the steps and started to cultivate this understanding of your higher power, how did your life begin to change? I mean, you talked about service. You talked about that 180 degree change. Maybe talk about some of the changes that happened in your life. Yeah. The promises took some time only because I think and act like an alcoholic. And so I put down the drink and the drug, but I had a lot of the, the character defaults or character defects we like to call. I had to work on them. It wasn't easy, but first I stopped the bleeding first, you know, like no more craziness. And that was super important. And what I found out over time is just like in the past that I could spiral down with poor decisions, poor behavior, lower self-esteem, poor decisions, poor behavior, lower self-esteem. I learned that I could spiral up good decisions, good behavior, good self-esteem, good decision. Good, and I could spiral up. And so one of the first things that started happening to me was my self-esteem returned, my standards changed. And after I did the fourth step and fifth step, I got like this clean slate. And I really felt this desire to not, for lack of a better word, sin. I, I cleaned it. Was I going to muck it up all over again? I got it all. I got all the garbage out. I'm going to start throwing garbage back in. So it was just very interesting. It was slow and gradual. It coincided with the steps. And I started to perceive myself and the world differently as I went through the steps. And then over time, about year two, I realized I really have to work on my mind. And that's when I started meditating. And that really had a big in, impact on me. And from there, I was able to settle down, get more calm, and the universe started coming to me and providing to me. It would meet me halfway because I wasn't out racing it. I could let it unfold. And all this started coming together about year five, where I really got into being a sponsor. And I really enjoyed being a sponsor or being involved in AA meetings, because for me, it's all about connection. I must be connected to others and I must be connected to God. That allows me to be a, a channel of God's peace. I love what you're saying about all this. You talked about meditation and, and you're talking about helping others and, and all of the things that we talk about in, in terms of gaining daily sobriety. And we know by reading the book that we have a daily reprieve based on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. What is it that you do on a daily basis? Maybe talk to us a little bit more about your meditation practice along with the other daily practices that you have. 
Sure thing. Because for me, this is critical because while I might not be drinking, I could really have a bad day if I'm not really spiritually fit. And it's amazing how quickly I can get out of sorts. So for me, my daily reprieve comes about through a series of a few things. First, it involves me getting on my knees in the morning and speaking. My uncle taught me this as if my God was in the room sitting in a chair and he was a friend of mine or a favorite uncle. And to be authentic and say, I'm an alcoholic and an addict today and I need help because if I don't get help, my character defects or defaults anger, fear, and the desire to control things will come up. And I just need help today to be on the lookout for it because it's coming. Because I know if I do a good job and work on this, I'm going to be a better servant for your will. It's something like that. It's a casual conversation. It's never really rote, but it's about recognizing my core challenges and what I need to focus on that day. And then it's followed by a very simple 15 minutes worth of meditation. And I actually took some meditation classes that really helped me learn what it was all about because I was not doing it. And that has been wonderful. I really advise and just suggest to any person that's in the program to give it a whirl. Because if anyone needs this meditation stuff, it's us. Mm. It's definitely us. I have learned that it quiets my mind. Like the rate of thoughts decrease, which is great because most of my thoughts are useless. It just decreases the number, the instances of thoughts firing in my head. The second thing it provides me, it just provides a softening. It just provides me to be softer and things kind of roll off my, my shoulders. And then As I've done it over the years, what I begin to notice, and I have to thank my current sponsor, Larry C., who I've been with for 12 years, I'm beginning, I notice the oneness in all things. As corny or weird as it sounds, I can sense the interconnectedness. And as a result, my sense of uh, isolation or separateness dissipates. So it's really important that I do that. And then I go to a meeting virtually every day. I'm part of Perry Street Workshop is my home group in New York. I've been going on Zoom since at 7.30 every morning. It's just, it's awesome way to start the day. And then I make a point during the day to try to do something, connect with an alcoholic, connect with my sponsor, talk to another alcoholic, to stay connected because I have friends who are alcoholics in the program. I have buddies. And then I also do service work, formal service work with AA. And finally, I I sponsor two people. So that's how I keep my condition in shape. I'll tell you, in 2017, when I moved from New York to Massachusetts for the first time in many years, I stopped going to meetings because I was busy. And then the disease took over and said, Dave. You don't need to go to meetings. I stopped going to meetings. And because I'm so mind identified, because it was my idea, it must have been a great idea. Of course, don't go to meetings because I said to myself, don't go to meetings. And what happened was all my character defects came back and I wasn't happy. 
And it wasn't until I, I started going back to meetings and doing the daily reprieve, doing the things I just talked about, did I, was I able to achieve a level of happiness again? And my marriage got better and my career got better and my friendships got better. But it's amazing what happened when I stopped doing the push-ups, if you will. Yeah. I love what you said, Dave. You talked about the daily reflection. You talked about the numbers. It's power in numbers, strength in numbers, safety in numbers. Yeah, I can so relate. Talk about this divine purpose in life. It sounds like you're helping so many others. How do you connect with that purpose? That's a great question. So I connect with that purpose by, by, by checking in with my God in the morning. I love the St. Francis prayer. And I love, I love saying that. And I just love meditating and then talking to God in the morning and recognizing, recognizing like this divine paradox, because it's a paradox that I'm grateful I got sick in order to learn these lessons. And, but I couldn't achieve this lifestyle where I'm helping others unless I went through pain. It's this new life is the result of the pain. So it's just a reorientation, Mike, to answer your question, that my purpose is to help others and to try to be selfless. Because if I do that, I'm happier. And the world's a better place when I have a smile on my face. And I think I owe it to the people that passed in 9-11. I owe it to my uncle. I owe it to my family. I owe it to everyone to try to be selfless and make the world a little better in a tiny little way. Well, it's obvious that as a result of all of your experiences and the program of recovery that you have become a channel for God's healing love. And that's a beautiful thing. As we begin to wrap up, are there any words of advice for those? We do reach a lot of people on this podcast that aren't necessarily in the program of recovery yet. Sometimes they're just thinking about whether or not they have an issue, or maybe sometimes they're brand new in the program. Is there any advice that you would have for folks that are just feeling their way around this thing right now? Yeah, that's a great question. My advice is step forward and lean into it. The Buddhists talk about leaning into the pain. There's growth in the pain. Lean into it. Make a friend. Ask someone to be your temporary sponsor. It's scary, but just fight through that. Because what I have found is for every little bit I put in, I get more in return, but it does require action. It is action. And the only thing that was preventing me was fear. So if I could just blow through my fear and just do what people said, I'd be okay. And I would just encourage folks to fight through the fear and try something different. You'll be amazed for your halfway through what will happen. And what will happen is a greater and higher sense of self-worth and peace and joy and a certain relief will come over you. There will be this relief. It's like a weight has been lifted, but it requires leaning in and taking action and listening to guidance from others who've been here before you. Dave, thanks so much for spending some time with us and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. It's been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you. What, what a pleasure to spend time with you guys. And I tell you, I think you're doing God's work. So keep up the good work because in the end, we're all in this thing together. So thank you. That's right. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Bye-bye, guys. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. 
You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day. This podcast produced by Lee McGinnis and Michael Lynn. Audio editing services by Jeff Bain.